But last week we talked, or actually two weeks ago, we talked about how self-awareness is the first step when it comes to relational intelligence. And kind of the crux of that message was that I'm aware, you know, that I want to get to that place where I'm aware that I'm a sinner in need of a savior and I'm striving to be more like Christ with his help. Amen. Right. That's the first step. If I don't see my own imperfections, if I don't see what I need to fix, then it's going to be really hard for me to be healthy in relationships. And so step two today and for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about putting some tools in our relational tool belt. We're going to talk about how to be smart about how I use these tools in relationships. And so, but before we get into the tools that we're going to use in our relationships, I want to make it abundantly clear what this series is not about. This series is not about fixing those closest to you. Can I get an amen? This series is not about controlling people with just different methods of doing relationships. This series is not about manipulating people, right? Because without self-awareness, that's where these kind of tools go. If you're not really self-aware of your motives and your heart, and if your heart isn't really to become more like Christ, then you might take some of these tools and use them as a club instead of a way to really invest and grow your relationships. And so I just want to encourage you with that today. That's what this series is not about. No, relational intelligence, when it is Christ-like, says this. First, I'm going to work on me. And then second, I'm going to serve others. And then guess what? I'm going to repeat. I'm going to work on me. I'm going to look in the mirror. I'm going to take the plank out of my own eye. And then I'm going to serve other people. Never in this equation does it become all about the other person. It doesn't. You know, someone very wise once said that he who is a great friend always has a friend. Right? He who is a great friend always has a friend. And I think we could turn that on its head and say, he who complains he never has any friends, never has any friends. And I love that principle. If you want a friend, be a friend. I haven't always been a great friend. I don't know about you. I've had my fair share of hiccups in relationships. One major one that was very public and very embarrassing, I'll just go ahead and share with you today, and we can feel a little closer after this story, right? But I was a young pastor. I had just moved to Sandwich, Illinois. Uh, I was 28 or 29 years old by the time this happened. And I'd been youth pastoring in that youth group there for a while. And things were going great. The youth group was growing. We had, you know, over 100 kids in there. And it was just hopping. It was, it was alive. In a, in a small town, we were making a big splash. And so one of the local Christian schools asked me to come and preach their chapel. And so I don't know if you know this, but uh, in Christian schools, sometimes they have chapel services during the day. And, and so all the kids can come and hear the word of God and have some worship together. It's, it's a cool thing. And so I was like, yeah, absolutely. I would love to come. And so I put it in my calendar because I know that if I don't put it there, I'll probably forget it. And so I put it in my calendar. I put all the reminders in my, my task managing programs to make sure that I wouldn't forget because I'm kind of a routine guy. And so I know that, man, I, I could forget this. And so I put it in my calendar. I prepped. I was ready. I had my notes. I was ready to go. Well, that Tuesday morning at nine o'clock when I was supposed to be standing there preaching to a bunch of students. I was at a coffee shop, sipping coffee, not thinking a thing about it. And I get a call from the school. Hey, Joe, 
are you coming? And I'm like, coming where? <laughs> right? And they're like, uh, you're supposed to speak today. And I was like, oh my goodness, I totally forgot. I am a total schmuck and I apologize. And they're like, no problem, it's okay, we'll just reschedule. And so they rescheduled to another date a few weeks later. Guess what? A few weeks goes by. I'm in the same coffee shop. We're having staff meeting. Somehow the calendars had never aligned. And it comes to be about 9.15. And my good buddy Wes looks at me and he's like, didn't you have something to do this morning? And I look at him and that sense of dread that I just want to literally crawl in a hole and die comes over me. And for the second time in a row, I forgot to show up. Now, <laughs> guess what? The school didn't call that time. I called later and apologized, but I guess what? I didn't get another invite. Sometimes as a young person, you just learn the hard way, right? You learn the hard way and you learn that, hey, sometimes when you make relational withdrawals, the trust doesn't always get returned to you. And so I thought I'd, I'd tell that kind of self-demeaning story to you today to just illustrate a, a very clear picture of what the relational bank looks like. The relational bank looks like. So we're gonna unpack this principle today. And, and it's not surprising, based on how Jesus challenges us in scripture, that a, a kingdom-minded relational bank is going to look different than our society norms or our culture, okay? And so right off the bat today, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about the relational bank, but it's not gonna look like what we would think it's gonna look a little different. And so what is the relationship bank? What is, what is this kind of metaphor today? Now, a bank is somewhere where you put something valuable, right? Your money. Maybe, maybe some of you that are, are really old school, you got a safety deposit box and you got that key, and you walk in, and the bank manager comes in, and they've got their key, and you put the keys in at the same time, and you turn it, and it opens up, and it's like, man, stuff that goes in the safety deposit box, some of you kids are like, what is that? Mom, Dad, what in the world is he talking about? It's a place you put really safe things that aren't money. And so, but typically, you know, you put your money in the bank, you trust that it's gonna be safe, you trust that if it gets stolen, you know, there's gonna be insurance, you also take valuable stuff out of the bank, right? Some of you, you're like, I take valuable stuff out of the bank way too much, right? And that's why this principle kind of works so well for this illustration. Because when it comes to a bank, there's deposits and withdrawals. Deposits and withdrawals. Now in the relational realm, the deposits could look like the five love languages. You're serving people. You're encouraging people with words. You're spending quality time with people. You're creating great experiences. You're present. You're with them through tough times. You're physically there for people. You're, you're showing the love. You're giving gifts. You're doing things in relationships that make them grow. You're pouring water on the grass of the relationship. So those, those would be deposits. And then there could be withdrawals, right? Some of you love to make the withdrawals. You're like, you're like, swipe it, baby. Come on, swipe that credit card. I'm making a withdrawal. And so, but in relationship world, this could look like asking for a favor a little too often. 
or asking for any favor. Anytime you ask for something, you're making a withdrawal. And so it could be simple, like asking for a favor. It could be simple, like you just need somebody to listen to you. You need their time. You need that coffee talk. You need that, that just that one-on-one time. And so you ask, hey, I really need you to be for, here for me right now. Or it could be something a little bit more extreme, like, like me when I ignored the appointment on accident. Right? I made a, took a major withdrawal from that relationship in that moment. You know, it could be when you don't do what you say you were going to do. It could be when you break a promise. It could be when you don't say you're sorry when you offend somebody and you just act like it didn't happen. It could be when you're just flat out selfish. And how many have been there? I know I have a time or a thousand. Now, society would say that relationships should be an even exchange, right? I scratch your back. You scratch my back. Have you ever heard that expression? That's what culture would say, that, that it should be kind of even, that, that I'm going to do as much for you as you're doing for me. And as long as the balance of, this, of this these scales stays pretty even, then we're good. And many of you unknowingly have even brought in that kind of, have even brought that kind of mentality and, and thought process into uh, very close relationships like your marriage. How has that worked out? And so there's only one huge problem with this when we think about the kingdom of God. Think about this. If it's going to be even, if I'm going to make equal deposits and withdrawals at the end of the day, what does my account look like? It's at zero. Think about that. Do you want your relationship bank to sit at a zero balance? Hopefully, you don't treat your life like that. Most of us want to put a little extra in, want to put a little bit more in than we're taking out so that someday we can stop working. Someday we can kind of reap the benefits of all our toil, right? But at the same time, we take this principle and we put it on top of our relationships and that's why we feel so empty, Because we're wanting just as much back as we put in and we just keep making zero. And we're living paycheck to paycheck in our relationships all because we're more focused on what we're getting than what we're giving. Does it make sense? No one wants to arrive at the end with a zero balance, especially in your relationships. And so that's, I want you to kind of think about your relationships as a bank this morning. And think about what is my balance? What's my current balance in my relationships? I should be more concerned with what I'm putting in rather than what I'm getting out. I've got to put in more than I get out. And this is the kingdom. This is the kingdom. And we're going to unpack some stories that illustrate this in a minute. But Jesus talks about storing up treasures in heaven, right? He talks about leaving a legacy. And so what do we know about a bank account? Only you can access it, hopefully, right? Unless your identity gets stolen or something like that. Only you can access your account. Your friends hopefully don't have access to your bank account or to your relational bank account. You're you're solely responsible for what you deposit and what you withdraw. The balance sheet does not lie. You reap what you sow. 
I love what Neil Clark Warren says. He says, your relationships can only be as healthy as you are. And so when you look at the relational account, you're not looking at what people did to you. You're not looking what, you know, maybe hurt has done to you in life. You're just looking at what you can control. Listen, how healthy your relational bank is going to be is going to be based on what you give, not on what you take out. Sometimes you might be surprised by your balance sheet. You might look at, and how, how many of you ever opened up that credit card statement or that bank statement and said, and said something like, I spent how much? Right? And so you might be a little surprised by it when you really start to get introspective and look at, at what, what the, the balance is. But it's based on what you give, not what you get. This is the kingdom. And let's, let's look at a story to illustrate this this morning. Matthew 21 through 16. Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven is like. And anytime Jesus says something like that, you want to perk up your ears because you're, you're saying this is what his reality looks like. And it's probably going to look a little bit different than what my reality looks like. And so what does he say? He says, it's like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. Right. That, this sounds this is beginning to sound like a normal transactional relationship. I do X for you and you pay me Y. So at nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard at noon. And again, at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around and he asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go and join the other workers in my vineyard. And that evening he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour and yet you've paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. How many of you can relate? Throwing mulch down yesterday or the day before. You were hot, you were sweating. And so you maybe can feel their pain here. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then. And those who are first will be last. And so Jesus is making it really clear that the kingdom economics are different than our world's economics, especially when it has to do with relationship, because this, this wasn't just about money. There was all kind of relational dynamics going on here between the employer and the employee, between the employee and the employee, right? How many times have you been in a, a conversation with somebody and they're like, do you know how much they make? Right? How many of you know money can really affect relationships? And Jesus turns it all on his head and basically says, it's not up to you. 
It's not your problem. He says, Shouldn't, should you be jealous, right? Man, it's challenging. And so this is the kingdom. It's different. It's not about what we get. It's about what we give. It's not about settling the score. It's about making deposits. And we're going to see this more in this next passage. Luke 6, 32 through 36. Jesus says, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? So three times here, he's already said, why should you get credit? He's basically saying, it's not about what you get. It's about what you give. So even sinners will lend to others sinners for a full return. Then he throws the gavel down. Love your enemies. We could translate that. Make relational deposits. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will be truly acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. And so I hope from these two scriptural examples today that you understand that a relational bank in the kingdom of God is different than an earthly relational bank. An earthly relational bank ends at zero, right? I give, but I get back and I feel good about that. A kingdom minded relational bank ends full of deposits and it leaves a legacy. It leaves a legacy. So here's some, some relational bank principles to apply to your life today. If you want to fill in, the, fill in the blanks in your notes, let's unpack this. So the first thing that we see that we've already said today is that you've got to put in more than you take out. If you want to be relationally intelligent and intelligently manage your relational bank account, you've got to put in more than you take out. Now you might say, well, Joe, I'm always the one giving and they're always the one taking. Right? Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6, 38. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you give back. Now, a lot of times we look at this in a financial kind of way, but the principle is the same. You will reap what you sow. The question is, are you okay if you reap it in a different way from somebody else at a different time? Are you okay with God's timing? And are you okay with God saying, hey, here's how I want to bless you? Or will you hold tightly to how you think you should be blessed? But the kingdom principle is is still the same. We gotta put in more than we take out. No strings attached. Listen, if it's not reciprocated, don't worry. It says that your your treasure, your reward is in heaven. Listen, this is especially hard in long-term relationships like marriage or long-term friendships. Why? Because you see the failures. Because you see the times when the other person didn't reciprocate. Because you see the times when, when you feel like they totally let you down. 
You see the times when they didn't show up for you just like I didn't show up for those students. And those things are hard to forget, right? And so, but that doesn't change the kingdom principle. So you see the failures, the inequities, and the lack of balance. But at the same time, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so the question I have to ask myself and just be very honest with myself, am I willing to make deposits even when I don't feel like I get paid back? I just wanna encourage you, church, don't let jealousy, envy, greed, or just good old-fashioned selfishness creep in. Be a giver. Put in more than you take out. The second principle that we see here is that I've gotta place a high value on others. If this isn't at the foundation of your relationships, and if this isn't at the foundation of how you operate your relational bank, then it's all going to fall apart. In 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 through 20, Paul gives a great example of this. He says, after all, what gives us hope and joy? And what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you. You are pride and joy. So basically, Paul is saying that, man, he will be so happy if he arrives in heaven in front of Jesus after he's breathed his last breath and these people that he's ministered to, that he's poured into, that he's made deposits in their life, if they'll be there too. He's, he's saying he's given his life for other people. He's given his life to serve them and to tell them about the gospel and to lead them towards Jesus and to model a life of selfless sacrifice before them. And so you see this, there's this high, high, high value on others. The high value when it comes to your relational bank is not on material possessions. It's not on power. It's not on prestige or popularity. It's on people. Why? Because people are the only eternal thing that you come in contact with on a daily basis. The only thing. The only thing that you lock eyes with on a daily basis that is eternal are the people in your life. They deserve to be highly valued. More than how you look, the clothes you wear, the car you drive, the house you live in, these things that you do, that you work so hard at so that you can keep up with the Joneses or keep up with people that look like that or live like that. No, if you wanna, if you wanna invest in things that really last, invest in people question is, do you value people more than, and just fill in the blank. Maybe, maybe your blank is politics or being right or your hurt or your pain or whatever. Do you value people more than that? Listen, I want to encourage you today. The greatest way to fight feelings of loneliness, depression, hurt, pain is to value others and invest in them, to value others and invest in them, because it's really hard to be all in the mully grubs when you're excited about what's going on in somebody else's life and you're pouring into them and you're investing in them and you're speaking the life into them. Because when you do, you're going to see an immediate reward. You will. You'll feel better. They'll feel better. Everyone's going to be in a better mood and life will be better. 
The third thing that we see, the third principle of the relational bank is to don't be a relational loan shark. Don't be a relational loan shark. I think this just popped in my head because my son caught a shark a few days ago, which is pretty awesome. If you want to see it, just jump on my Facebook page. He was so pumped. But these things are kind of like gnarly looking, kind of creepy looking. It's like, it's like, you know, you don't know if you should be touching it. And so it's probably how this, the, you know, this whole loan shark name came to be because it's like, man, you want to stay away from, from those things. But look what, look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter six. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Whoa. Right? Don't be a relational loan shark. So this is, this is kind of the summary of this point. But Jesus tells a story about an ungrateful servant. And, and I won't read the whole thing to you, but I'll just kind of summarize. Basically, there's this guy that owned this master. What the Bible says was, was equivalent to millions of dollars. And so just think about that. Owns him a ton of money. And so the master calls him in and he wants his money. Well, the guy can't pay it back. And so what does the guy do? He begs and he pleads for mercy. Not only does the master give him mercy, but he completely forgives the debt. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Right? Some of you with student loans, you know, racked up pretty high. You're like, Jesus, just do that for me too, please. Right? And so, and so this amazing act of grace happens. And so this guy who had his debt forgiven, what does he do? He walks out the door. He, go find, he goes and finds a guy that owes him money. And he grabs him by the throat. And he's like, give me my money back. Well, some of his buddies saw what he did and went back and told the master that forgave him. And so how do you think that master felt? He calls him back in. He's like, you wicked and lazy servant. What is wrong with you? And he throws him in prison to be tortured until he can pay his whole loan back. And Jesus ends that and says, hey, if you don't forgive, then your heavenly father's not gonna forgive you. Basically saying this is serious, serious business. So translated into our vernacular, what does this mean for you and for me? That in your relationships, and you know, there's these big things that are like hard to forgive, but what about the little things? Because sometimes in your marriage and in your relationships, you go all historical, right? Anybody know what that's like? No, I don't want to see you elbowing your spouse or, or just sending looks across the room. But you know what it's like when, when one, one spouse or the other spouse goes all historical and they're like, back in 1985, you remember when you did that and the look that you gave me and I just, I'll never forget it. <laughs> That's being a relational loan shark. It's like you keep going back and you're demanding recognition, acknowledgement, repayment. And the problem is in relationships, you know, when it's like money and you pay the money back, it's like, okay, it's done, paid, stamped. For some reason in relationships, when amends are made, we have a tendency to hold that carrot out over that relationship a lot longer. Have you noticed that? It's like even when right has been made and, and, and forgiveness has been offered and accepted and, and it should be a done deal, it's like, uh, I'm going to kind of hold that over their head for a while. And we become these relational loan sharks. Now, I'm not going to talk too much about grudges because we're going we're gonna to dive into that next week. Today, 
you know, we're talking about you making deposits and you making withdrawals and you're handling your account. Tonight, next week, we'll talk about some tools about, you know, what, what do you do when you've been hurt? How do, you, how do we deal with offense? But, and so we'll save that for next week. But I just want to encourage you. You can't forget the things that have been, been done to you. It's impossible. Only God can forget. Only God has the ability to throw things as far as the east is from the west and remember them no more. But we, we don't have that ability. But you can choose to be a living conduit of the same grace that was given to you. You can choose. You can choose to say, I'm not going to hold that over your head any longer. I'm going to show you the same grace that has been shown to me. Some of you, man, it bugs you. It gets in your crawl that, that things haven't been reciprocated. And you're just so bitter and it's eating you up from the inside out. And I just want to say with all the pastoral love and wisdom that I can muster, get over it. Get over it. Get over it and just love people. Guess what? The gospel isn't fair. If the gospel is fair, then you and I would not be standing here today forgiven and covered by God's grace. Number four. The fourth principle and last as we close today is I want to encourage you in your relational bank to have a long-term relationship goal. You know, when you go to a financial advisor, you know, what's the, one of the first questions they're going to ask you? What's your goals? What do you, what do you want life to be like at the end? What do you, where, where do we want to get? What's, what's our long-term goal? And it's the same in relationships. What is your long-term goal? The Apostle Paul had one. We see in Philippians 2, 16 through 18. He said, hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Let's stop right there. He's basically saying, you need to hold firm because I'm investing in you. I'm pouring life into you. I'm speaking God's word to you. Man, hold firm. And so Paul is encouraging this church in Philippi, stay strong, keep the course, don't quit. I'm investing in you. But then he said something that just blows my mind. He said, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. Wow. So we see two things. Paul had a long-term goal of investing in people to bring them to Christ. Paul had a long-term goal of being an encourager, of building people's faith, of encouraging them to not give up, and being somebody that put more deposits into people than he took out withdrawals. And he was like, hold firm, because on the day of Christ's return, I want to be proud that I didn't do all of this in vain, that I didn't waste my life giving it to other people. And we can all relate to that, right? I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to give and give and give and, and, and not feel like I, I, you know, it was worth it. But then Paul reveals the other side of his attitude. And he says, but hey, guess what? I'm gonna rejoice even if, even if I pour my life out like a liquid offering to God. Basically meaning he's pouring it out on the ground and he can never get it back. I mean, if you get that pitcher of water and you go out and pour it in your yard, you just try to put it back in the pitcher. You can't get it back. It's a liquid offering. It's gone. 
It will never reciprocate. It will never come back to you. And Paul is saying, that's the way to do relationships. That's the way to have a, a, a kingdom-minded heart when it comes to investing in others. I hope that it's gonna you know, bring a reward. I hope that you're gonna stand firm. I hope you're gonna keep following Jesus so that when you stand before him on that last day and you look him right in the eye and God asks you, what did you do with my son? Man, I pray that you've stood firm, that you've kept the faith, that you fought the good fight. But Paul says, even if, even if it doesn't, I'm just gonna serve Jesus. I'm just gonna give. I'm gonna make deposits. And so you following Jesus is a win for me, but I'm not just in it for you. My ultimate pursuit, my ultimate goal is a relationship with Jesus and to please God. And so why are we talking about this when it comes to relationships? Because just like last time when we talked about self-awareness, if your foundation is off, then the whole thing crumbles. And maybe it's because when people see you being so completely selfless in relationships, it begins to tear down the walls that people built up towards God. When they see you giving and not receiving anything in return, they see an example of how lavish and how abundant and how extravagant the grace of God is. And they see it in you. This is what it looks like to have a kingdom-minded relationship bank, that I'm putting in more than that I'm taking out, that I'm not gonna end my life at zero, I'm gonna have money in the bank, I'm putting it in, I'm making as few withdrawals as possible because I'm being self-aware, because I'm working on me, I'm remembering those things on my calendar, right? I'm valuing others because they're the only eternal thing that I come in contact with on a daily basis. I'm forgiving people lavishly. I'm forgiving even when I don't want to. I'm remembering eternity. I'm having that long goal, that long view of what it means to serve Christ and to invest in relationships. And I'm pouring my life out like a liquid offering, not expecting anything in return. God, I'm just gonna put you first. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes with me today. If you're here and you need to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ, Maybe you saw Valerie get baptized today. Maybe you see the selfless nature of God through scripture, through the, 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 the sermon. Maybe one of the songs during a worship service really spoke to you and just kind of woke you up to the fact that you need Jesus today and you'd like to be in a relationship with him. If that's you today, if that's you, and you wanna say yes to Jesus and put him first in your life and begin a relationship with him, if that's you, raise your hand. I wanna pray with you. Amen, I see that hand. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Thanks for raising your hand. You can, you can put your hands down and we're gonna pray a prayer together today. And if you've accepted Christ, I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me and with those that are receiving Christ today. Amen. Repeat after me. Let's say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Amen. Come on, guys. Let's say, let's say it loud and proud. Jesus, I believe in you, that you died for me on the cross and rose again. I confess I'm a sinner and I need a savior. 
come into my life. Forgive me. Make me clean. Help me to live for you the rest of my life. Help me to understand your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give those that gave their lives to Christ a hand today? we sing today, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. And so I want to encourage you in your relationships to set your sight on eternity. Make deposits more than you make withdrawals and, and have an attitude that says, I'm going to show grace like Christ showed to me. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.